Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy and salesgravy.university. Hey, if you are trying to up your game, and right now it is summertime, and we do need to up our game because we slow down in the summer, this is a good time to go take some classes at Sales Gravy University, and that's going to help you get your momentum back. Today, I am super excited to be bringing on the show a friend, a former client, a really cool woman, a great referral source for me. She is just so cool. And I wanted to bring her on the show. It is Kathy Young, and she is the division sales trainer for the Central Carolina division of DR Horton. And she started her career in 2006 as a junior sales representative and was promoted to sales manager in 2015. I want to talk about that. In 2020, Kathy assisted with DR Horton's online presence and was tasked with developing a training program for all new sales representatives and assisting with all sustainment training for the Central Carolina division. And um, I'm super excited to bring her onto the show. We're going to dive into this on all kinds of levels, real estate sales, training, all of the things, a little bit of military. I'm going to just let that out right now. Welcome, Kathy, to the show. Hey, Gina. How are you? I am awesome. I'm so excited to have you here. You're not too far away from me. I'm in South Carolina. You're in North Carolina, right down the road. And thanks for making time for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Okay, cool. There are so many things I want to talk about. Where do I want to start? I want to start with the fact that you started out in sales and then you transitioned into sales training and developing a program and from sales manager to sales training, because I think there's a lot to unpack there. We know a lot of times salespeople, they get promoted into managers, but they don't get all the support and training they need to be managers. And you went down that path and then you went into creating sales training and you and I have worked together in helping your team with that. So let's talk a little bit about, I'd like to hear more about how you got started in sales. First, let's start with sure. that. Sure. I was exploring general brokerage. I think I was around 27 years old and I was in the hospitality industry and also in the Army Reserves and going to school and trying to figure out what I want to do in life. And I actually met someone and we had dinner and we were just talking about general general brokerage and how you get into it and the cost of, of getting into that. And he actually became a sales manager for D.R. Horton and said, what do you think about new construction? That was something I'd never even considered. I At 27, I had not bought a house yet. So it was something I never considered. And actually, I went to go interview with D.R. Horton and they hired me as a junior sales representative. There was no training. I had six months between working at D.R. Horton. My two days off, I was also trying to acquire a real estate license because I had to have that as well to, to actually sell on the sales floor. So I did that for a while. And then I was also doing the Army Reserves when I had to get that in on that one weekend or those two weeks a year. So I just had a lot on my plate, but I finally got licensed and then I got into new home sales. And I was like, this is the greatest job in the whole entire world. I love it. It was so amazing to see families move in, meet all, all different types of people. Seven and eight happened and we were like, what's going on here? So we had to kind of figure it out. I stuck through it. I stayed with the company. They've always treated me well. I've always done what they've asked and kind of just went through that and rode that roller coaster of 2008 through 2012. And then here we are, 2020, going through that as well. But I became a sales manager in 2015. They asked me to step up. I said, absolutely. 
I would love to learn all uh, facets of the company. And I just said, I can do this. I've had multiple sales managers. I had to figure it out. I did not have training. I kind of just took what I learned and, and went out there and ran with it. And then 2020 happened. And we, at that point, we actually had a, a few more sales managers working because our division just grew so fast. Mm-hmm. And they said, what do you think about doing a training program? And I said, that has been on my list. But being a sales manager, you just don't have time to do that. You don't have time to work on it, let alone enforce it on the, with the team. What a really great point, because we see the gap, obviously, as a training company at Sales Gravy, we see the gap that training doesn't always happen. And managers, for one, managers don't get trained necessarily. And then they're responsible for making sure that their people are trained and then they got a coach around that, but they don't have time for that. Then there's no program for that. And it's this constant like weird circle going on of just trying to keep up with that. So I think it's pretty cool that D.R. Horton was like, hey, let's do a training program because you don't you don't hear that often. What do you think was the the tipping point that got them to say, let's have a training program internally? Well, we had to sit down and figure it out. And so a group of us got together and we said, okay, we think this will be beneficial for the team. A lot of them I call them COVID agents. A lot of them just knew how to sell during COVID. They were kind of just taking orders. And we said, you know what? We know what's going to happen with the uh, with the industry. We see those waves. Yeah. It's a history repeating itself. So we'll see a slow down and a shift. And we said, okay, let's go back to the basics and kind of just starting from there and kind of, we want to set up the agents to just, uh, to succeed and not just push them up there. So that that was the main goal. So do you think COVID was a part of the tipping point that, okay, we don't want to go through this again. We know that they're going to become order takers because we've seen this happen in the past and we're going to do it a little differently? Yeah, absolutely. And then also, even as a sale, when I was on the sales floor, I always trained the junior agents and it was something that I liked and they knew that I enjoyed doing that. So they said, hey, let's try this and see how it works. And I've been doing it since 2020 now. And I've actually had 82 sales agents that I've trained so far. I actually looked at it yesterday. So, and we, and with that being said, it's not a lot of turnover. It's just the mass amount of growth that we have right now. Yeah. We're, our territory really is spread almost up to five hours apart. So wow. we have mar- in all these different markets. And, and what are the markets that you guys cover? We cover from Greensboro West, almost going to Charlotte to Greensboro East, Raleigh North, going up towards like almost close to the Virginia line. We are now in the Greenville, North Carolina market, going into New Bern, Havelock, almost to the coast. So we've got a big territory that we have to cover. And right now we've got four sales managers assisting with that too. And then our team alone is, I think we are at close to 90 sales agents now. January, we'll have over 100 sales wow. agents on wow. our team. Wow, that is just crazy. And I know that Sales Gravy and me specifically helped you through some of that and working with your team and doing some training with them virtually, especially. You and I have talked many times. We work together in a coaching capacity as well of like moving people from this transactional order taking to a more proactive. What are your thoughts around that that you've seen in actually getting agents out of that transactional way of like taking orders because we're fat and happy? Sure. When COVID was going on, it people were waiting online. They were going online to submit offers. There was no personal experience. And I think that took away from just one, the customer experience and how we interact with our buyers these days. 
So we wanted to bring back that initial relationship back with the customer. And, and we're finding that's that's the missing piece uh, because people at that time was stressful, not only for the builders, but for the customers. They were putting multiple offers on homes, not yeah. getting them. And for us to just show that we care about our customers, that's what it's all about and giving that experience to them. And and I know that you have worked really proactively on that with your team and in, in training. And when we worked together in, in providing some of those resources for you, what do you feel like was the most beneficial from a training perspective from our side that, that maybe you were able to implement to get them back into relationship building? There, there's a lot of techniques and working even with you. Oh, it was a great experience for our team, especially incorporating things that we're not traditional to new home sales. And so I think that was a great starter and just bringing back the training, making sure that we had a budget to train. So, and then one-on-one coachings, even with you, that it was great because it made you think outside of what our industry was and going, okay, there's a relationship that can be built regardless of what industry you're in. That's awesome. So you said something like that wasn't traditional to new home building as far as like a training piece. What was some of the was not as traditional? Oh, I love the improv love. (laughs) And I know that you joined us for a sales and marketing council. And it was one of the funnest meetings that we had because it just it got us out of our comfort zone in our in in our normal training. So it's not, hey, let me show you how to sell to a buyer. It was, hey, let's try this. And it was great. It was a fun time. Oh, that's awesome. I love, of course, I love to hear that. It's the creativity part of trying to get out of your heads and get out of the transactional role so that you can create the experience. You and I are both homeowners who have gone through a home building process. And to your point, it can be very, it can be very stressful. And that experience that the agent can provide to that buyer, like is a make or break because, right? Whether I go build another home when it's time to downsize, because we went big, <laughs> when it's time to downsize one day, I have to think about, am I going to go back to the home builder or are we referring the home builder? And so I think sometimes agents, and this isn't general for any sales, right? Not just home building, but we think about the here and the now of like, I, I need the sale and that's what's the most important. But instead of thinking about the future, How does that seep over into your industry? Because it's not like someone is buying a brand new house every day. But how do you reinforce that to to your agents? That's funny that you say it because I'm actually in the process of building a home myself with another builder. So it's an exciting process because I've never, being a new construction for almost 18 years, I've never built new construction. I've only bought resales. So I'm going through that experience and I'm riding that wave just like a customer too. But it, it is really just, getting to know the sales agents, getting to know the builder and keeping that relationship between the builder and and the customer as well, because we're all cohesive. We're all one team. Yeah, it's so funny, like, right, that you're now go, going through it. And so when we were working together, I can't, I wasn't sure if we had started, I think we had started the process, but we hadn't finished the process. And I felt like it actually made me a better trainer because I was living it live and I could like literally come back to your team was like, okay, don't do this. <laughs> Here are the things not to do, <laughs> right? That that we're experiencing on our end. So that was kind of a cool experience. Yeah. And I used to joke around and tell people, I'm like, everyone needs to wait tables for two years, be in the military for two years and build a house. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really, 
That is a really good point. Side tangent. What you do I, that I, going to any sales. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had a friend in town vacationing with his daughters and we went to a, a local restaurant that's well known and not cheap. And we had the worst possible experience. This poor waitress, is, she, I don't know. I think she might have been on something, but she took our order five times. And I'm not exaggerating. Oh, wow. She kept coming back trying to remember the order and she had it written down. And like, think about the stress that creates on on a customer, on a buyer in any industry. It's like, we were so convinced that she would get the order wrong because she couldn't get it right on paper. And we kept, at one point I said, do you want me to write it down for you? I'm happy to write it down for you. And then she got offended by it. And sure enough, the order came out wrong despite asking us five times. But think about how if we don't pay attention to the customer, right, the anxiety we can create for them that they're going to think, ooh, something can go wrong. Even in home building, right? One one false move for the home builder. And I'm like, what else are they going to mess up? It's like a trickle event. So if one thing goes wrong, it affects everything else in front of it. it exactly. And now they're starting to overreact to things that haven't even happened yet. I'm sure that you deal with that. Oh, 100%. It's better to be transparent in even if you don't have an update to let the customer know versus just keeping quiet because quiet's not good. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk for a second about how things are a little bit different now in in home building versus pre-COVID. So I know with my experience, and I know you guys deal with this as well, that the days of like, and I've bought new construction before, and this was my first time buying new construction after 2020, where they're like, this is what you're buying. And I'm like, I don't get a say so in anything. And then of course, my in-laws were like, no, you need to tell them. I go, no, it doesn't work that way. I'm like, you get to buy this spec home as is. And even the agent was like, if you don't like things in this home, you can rip them out afterwards. And I'm like, okay, it's so weird, but okay. Um, Hey, that's the way the builders are going. And and COVID had an impact on that because we had to change our ordering process. We had to order things way ahead of time. And if a customer wanted to make a change, it affects the whole entire build time. Right, right. And so that was something that came out of that because of supply chain issues. So I'm curious, right? And, And I'm curious about all industries. They made changes after COVID, just like we did in training. We went from in-person to virtual to hybrid. I don't see us ever going back to not having virtual because it's our new normal. Do you see within the home building industry that it would ever go back to what it was before? Do you think it will continue this way? Unless you have niche home builders who are like, yes, you may design whatever you want. But if you're doing more mass production, will you guys continue to run this way? Me personally, I think so. For production builders, it they've figured out a business model that actually is working and it, it's expediting the the uh, process itself so we can build faster. We're, we're always trying to improve our cycle yeah. times. When you start, you think about it, when you buy in bulk, like at Costco or something, it's always yeah. cheaper. Because we know that we have the yeah. consistency in our products. It, it's a cost, it's cost effective for the customer too. Where we do give you the house and you can make the changes after you close, like you said, and you just... It's, but the structure's there. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's interesting. So in in many ways, you you have a new business model. And I got to guess that kind of sitting back, the powers that be are like, oh, this is way more profitable for us. It's got to be, right? I don't know the back end of all the, the profits and all that. Right, right, right. I will tell you, I did, when I was on the sales floor, we had a design center and it became a headache. One, as a sales agent, because we didn't know exactly what the customers were selecting in their homes. Yeah. And two, so we couldn't walk them and say, is this right or is this wrong? So, but now that we have the consistency, we can say, hey, this wasn't done right as being an agent on the sales and say, this is this package. We know exactly what's going in at versus specific little options that the customer may have chose. It could have been wiring. And a lot of the sales agents aren't trained on the construction side of it. So they don't know. Yeah. So I got to imagine as we talk about this, I think that's probably where some of the personal touch went away, meaning when you had that kind of process and that kind of model, right, you can have more engagement with the customer because it's more, it's a longer cycle in some ways of like planning it out. And then you have that interaction and then going to a different model of like, we're going to do these as spec. You have less interaction as a rep. So this is where that important part is like, how are they going to differentiate? How are they going to stand out? How are they going to make the difference? And I think I talked about this with you and your team back in the day of like, my experience was, all right, a spec home is a spec home is a spec home. What's going to make the difference at the end of the day is the person who's selling it to me. And the experience that they offer. 100%. It's all about communication. We train our sales agents to communicate weekly, even if they do not have an update. It could be as simple message as, I'm just checking in on you. Do you need anything from me? It can wish them a happy holiday. It doesn't have to be a construction update. It's really all about the buyer experience. But you mentioned referrals. That's where your, your referrals are going to come from is creating that great relationship with the customer and having that rapport with them. Yeah. You know, and that's something that we always can improve. We all look to, to improve our referral base. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So you mentioned military and I have such a passion for that. And thank you for your service. I love working with military recruiters, something I do at Sales Gravy. What got you into the military? That's a great question. But to touch on the military recruiters, they have the hardest job in the military. They have the hardest job, 100%. Really, really, like I said, I was in the hospitality industry. I was looking for a way to pay for school. I actually signed up in June of 2001 because I wanted the education benefits of it. And lo and behold, September 2001 happened. I was scheduled to leave for basic training that week. So it actually got pushed off a few weeks because of all the bases shut down just for the security purposes. But it was really to get the school benefits and then the basic training, not knowing what the world was going through because we didn't have access to TV. We would just, wow. they, they were up to put newspapers up so we could read what was going on. But in basic training, your focus is something else. Wow, that is crazy. And you were in for how long? For eight, eight years. I deployed in 2003 to Iraq. So I got home from my school. My school was eight months long. I did combat documentation. So I was able to travel all over the place. And then six months after that, came home and had to pack my bags. Wow. Oh, that wow. was a experience. I met some of the most amazing people that I still stay in touch with this to this day. That is so awesome. Do you think that experience prepared you for sales? 100%. <laughs> prepared me for life in general. It had um, to. You know, 
And, and it just not just necessarily being over there, but it made you more grateful for what you have and what we have yeah. in this country. I, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, yeah. but, you know, but it, it was just a great experience. You have a camaraderie, excuse me, I can never say that right. Between you and your fellow soldiers, they're always going to be there for you because you have their back and they're going to have yours. So mm. it, it was a great experience for me. Like I said, I, I told you everybody needs to train the military for two years. <laughs> I, and it also taught, it showed that I'm coachable, I'm trainable. And so that also helped me with the sales side too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I wanted to get that in there because I, there are a lot of recruiters that listen to this show. So I know that they will love that, to hear that, that everybody should join. Because right now it is hard. It is hard with enlistments. They are really struggling and it is a really hard job as a salesperson and it is a sales job. And it's a sales job that they didn't like raise their hand and go, hey, I want to do this. So that is a great challenge for them. Let's talk a little bit about uh, training and how you've built this training division. What would be some advice that you could give to other companies that they don't have an internal training department and they know they need it? We all know that training and marketing are like the first things cut, but I obviously am biased if you invest in training it's going to have an impact eventually, not tomorrow. But what would be some advice that you could give a a company that really needs the training and hasn't invested? Sure. Well, one, I also think people should invest in themselves. It doesn't have to come from the company. There's so many ways that an employee can just do things on their own. But as far as training, I lost my track of (laughs) that. So we're talking about advice that we could like, give companies on how to invest in training, whether it's hiring a training company like ours to come in or some things that they can do internally to have a program where a leader is getting trained, the team is getting trained, like any thoughts that you have on that? Because you've built up a training department and not all companies have that. And I was grateful that I was on the sales floor for almost 10 years. So what I incorporated in the training program is what we did on a daily basis and just kind of broke it down into more micro skills and train and would train the sales agents on, hey, let's do one thing at a time. But this is what you'll be doing throughout your time on the sales floor, just kind of building the basic foundation for them. But as far as like investing in companies, it's just you have to make sure that your managers are going to be uh, able to enforce it. Uh, yeah, that was, that was my biggest challenge, I think, is just getting out there and making sure that the sales agents were continuing to do it. Yeah. So, so that, that's a really great point and reminder. And that's something that I tell leaders all the time, especially I've gotten really good at turning around a very common objection when selling training of like how, you know, how can, what's the ROI going to be? How are you going to make sure that the training sticks? And I typically, my response has always sort of been like, what are you going to do to make it stick? I'm going to be gone and it will be on you. And so I like to be super transparent about that when I'm selling training, especially. I'm like, I'm going to need you to actually make sure this happens. And so an approach that I've taken is like, let me also do a little bit of training and coaching for your leaders so that I can give them the skills to reinforce this. And that's been a really good combination that's been way more effective. I absolutely agree with that. It's not just training the sales team. The leaders have to be trained too. Yeah. And they have shown, hey, let's go ahead and reinforce this. And I think planning a schedule ahead of time, even just a few months in advance is going, okay, this is what we're going to cover to make sure that you're not losing those touch points that you went over. Yeah. 
So how have you been able to help your managers and leaders uh, to make sure that they continue to carry it forward? Well, we we actually have a great leadership team here and they are very supportive and we meet on every single week and we talk about, hey, what's going to be the next step for whatever we're planning? And our leadership team is very supportive of us and very encouraging. So that also helps too. But as far as just making sure that it's on the calendar, because we live by the calendars. Yes. Not on there. It's not happening. Exactly. Uh, so we'll plan and say, hey, this is what we're going to do this week. This is what we're going to focus on this week. And then I'm interjected where I need to be. Okay. Awesome. Great advice for those leaders out there. I try to tweak it a little bit more each time I work with a team. I've got a team right now where it's 70 employees and about 15 managers. And I've gotten creative in doing things like create like like learning plans for them to reinforce the training, right? So I just constantly am getting creative because training is only as good as the coaching that you do around it, right? Exactly. 100%. So, so what are some of the things that are good? Let, let's talk about the market. What is going on in the real estate world? Because I got to tell you, so I, I walked out of my house today to go run some errands and my neighbor down the street, very friendly, retired guy, is like, hey, right? Because we're in a, the next division is coming up in our development. He's like, I can't believe they're building this smaller house next to my half a million dollar house. And he's like, does that mean the value of our homes are going down? I'm like, well, the starting prices are lower than they were last year. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm not going to get consumed with it because it'll irritate me. Eventually, it's got to balance out, I hope. But what's going on? Every market's going to be different. Your market is going to be different from where I'm at. In the Absolutely. And so we're seeing a little bit of dip, but not crazy. Even with interest rates hitting around that 7% mark, a lot of builders are buying down the interest rates to give more purchase power to the customer, which is fantastic. But you think about it, the, we had, we had to get out of the mentality that 2%, that was a phenomenon, that 2 and 3%. And the normal, not normal, because we're still historically low over a 40 year, true to us, five to 7% is normal. But people want what they didn't get. Yeah. And that's the hesitation on holding people back. But the interest rates have impacted some of the financing capabilities. So we are seeing some some terminations come through. But, you know, there's always another buyer behind them. I don't want to say it like like that, but. But it's it's true. (laughs) Yeah. Our division for the past four months have sold over 100 homes in the triangle every month consistently. Wow. We actually, from year to date, we're up 35%. But you have to factor in, you're starting to see bill for rent communities being sold to investors too. I'm That's not sure those in your area. Yeah, we do. Um, but, you know, you still see the numbers, the MLS. I mean, there's a lot of inventory on the MLS now. When we went from five homes under that were under me to back to seven or eight pages, that was the norm. And a lot of people aren't accepting. Yeah. Well, what would you, your advice or your thoughts around the fact that maybe homes that were purchased in the past year, the homes that are being sold now that are comparable are being sold for possibly less? That's a great question because we're not seeing that really in our market. In your market? Okay. And so we're not seeing that here. The triangle is like one of the fastest growing areas in the country. Very Um, true. uh, We've got, uh, there's just constant people, or there's constantly people moving. I think we're the second largest city now in, in the state. We've got the Research Triangle Park and all these other places. Lots of national builders in this market, too. Yeah, so you do. We're seeing that. But 
you know, we're all, we always increase our pricing to build that equity in the neighborhoods. Yes, you might have a home that's sitting on the market and there might be a, an incentive tied to that, but we're not seeing a drastic thing and we're not seeing 2006 happen again. Yeah. Thank God. Sorry. 2008, 2008. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We're not. So, and there's a lot of literature out there, a lot of um, news that you can read and a lot of the economics and our economists and stuff are not saying, hey, we're not going to go back into that. Job security. There's so many jobs out there. Yeah. That's another story, too, for for today. (laughs) (laughs) Earlier, you talked about the importance for for salespeople to also invest in themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm big into this. I invest in myself a lot as far as like how to be better at my job, better in sales. What would be some suggestions that you could give to salespeople of ways to invest in themselves? Yeah, we we started doing group interviews recently in the Triangle and in the Green Throw Market area. And we capped them out about 15%, or sorry, not 15%, 15 candidates per interview. It's a very time time saver for us. And we get to see how they get to interact in a team environment. But one of the questions that somebody asked us because we also do like a Q&A at the end and, and have the, the candidates ask us questions. And they said, well, I bet you've been with a company for a long time. If you could have changed anything, what would you have done? And I said, well, my 20-some-year-old self would have started investing in myself. And versus later in life and going, you know what? I should have done this a while back. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things your 20-something self would have invested in? Oh, goodness. Mentors. Mm-hmm. Coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, even some business classes. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that's directly related into the into my industry. Yeah. yeah. So invest in yourselves. You've heard it. You heard it here. This is a career. It's not a job. Ooh, that's a really good aha for everyone to take away too. Because I think if you, my opinion has always been, if you're just here for the paycheck, and don't get me wrong, we all need a paycheck. But if you're just here for the paycheck, you're. I don't think you're going to work as hard or do as well because the intrinsic motivation is not there. And you have to love what you do. I loved being on the sales floor. I met some of the most amazing customers that I still have relationships with today. We've cried together. We've laughed together. We, I've seen them have their financial struggles and help them work through that. It's just an amazing career. And I love this. I would never have gone or done anything else. I love the military too, don't <laughs> So, so that time had to end. Exactly. So, so you've had that time, you have this time. What are some of your aspirations, things that you're aiming for, goals that you have personally and professionally? Sure. Well, I am the only division sales trainer under India Horton right now. So, and I've been helping a lot of markets just kind of get started with onboarding because I'm helping with onboarding as well. But I would love to see a team of trainees or trainers, excuse me. So maybe one day that'll happen. But personally, we all can talk about the weight. (laughs) I put on the COVID pounds too. I'll talk about the Um, weight. I'm excited about building my first new home. Like I've always lived in townhomes. So I have a single family. I'm looking forward to that. I still don't have to cut the grass. That's covered under the HOA. Lucky right. you. But personally, I, I just want to improve myself too. I want to, I want in this industry, I want to be looked up to as like a mentor that somebody can come to me and say, hey, what would you do? Love it. Can you help me through this? So Love it. Do you have any advice for people out there who, any advice for how you could seek a mentor? Sure. Use your resources. Use your influence. Ask your bosses. They have 
I'm sure that a majority of them have been in that position before. That's why they're there or they're there now where they're at. Yeah. And I think that's just a really good reminder because oftentimes I, I don't think people realize this, that there are people out there that will feel honored to be asked to mentor you. And but you think, oh, I don't want to bother them. But again, it's sort of like sales. You don't know if you don't ask for it. And you'd be surprised if you look up to someone. I've had people come to me and say, will you mentor me? Will you coach me? And surprised me. So like, like out of nowhere, I'm like, oh, I didn't see that coming. So people are watching you. People are watching people that they admire. So it can't hurt to go ask them for some help. And I also think that being a leader, you should ask them to what they want, because like you said, they don't know what they don't know. So you need to put that on the radar too. Your management team should be asking them, what do you want to do? What do you want to aspire to? I'm so happy you brought that up. This is something I was working with another client on with their management team about finding out what inspires or motivates the team and not making assumptions. And we really talked about how important it was to treat to tr- to manage people based on how they want to be managed. And that's a lot of work. But when you understand what motivates some someone, not people are not all motivated by the same things. And so you cannot manage or lead everybody the same exact way. You have to actually spend the time to understand them and then lead them and get the best out of them. Sure. We also use a personality assessment, comprehensive thinking, everything like that, because it really, you said not everybody's the same. Not everyone's the same. We've got 80, 89 agents now. They're all completely different. But if we learn how to manage them, it's going to better. It'll be better for the manager and for the employee. Yeah. It's a time and mental manage time investment and mental investment early on to do that. But if the ROI on it pays off in the long run, if you put the time and energy into it up front. You're not going to see a turnaround in 30 days. No, but we are in a world that we all want a quick hit, a quick results. We have been now conditioned for that versus you you talk about weight, right? (laughs) I just had this weight conversation with a group of women that I'm part of a mastermind of. And some of us, there's several of us actually losing weight right now and, you know, slowly losing it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm okay with the slow lose now. Like in the beginning, you're like, you want to lose it so fast. And the gradual loss, you actually start to appreciate it more because it's not happening as fast. So something to be said about taking your time in the process so that you actually appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. So there's my two cents on weight loss. <laughs> Doing it a little bit differently. I think that's something that we all strive for. I'm Doing concerned. it. It's everything just changes. Oh, that's another episode. Go back and listen to my menopause episode on that. That's a whole nother. <laughs> Gosh, it has been awesome having you on the show today. Thank you so much for taking out the time to do this, to be here. I really wanted to spotlight you because I think what you're doing is great. I think you're great. I think you have such an impact on people. So, and you've been great to work with and a great referral source. So thank you so much, Kathy, for being here. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Gina. Sure. And listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy. And again, you know what? Invest in yourself. Kathy said it here. Why not invest in yourself at salesgravy.university? We've got an all-access pass, an annual all-access pass that is so worth it. I think 
I often think it's not. We don't charge enough. Don't tell Jeb that. But I think that is such a great investment to take your skills to the next level, especially right now. It's summertime. Do it before it gets busy. Well, you got a little bit of downtime. Make that investment in yourself. And check out this show on YouTube. So you can also watch this show, not listen to it. And the best thing you can do for me and this show and the sponsor, Sales Gravy, is to recommend this show. Tell people about it if you liked it, especially if you like Kathy. If you're a friend of Kathy's, you should be sharing this all over the place. So thank you so much again, listeners. Check us out at womenyourmotherwarnsyoubout.com or salesgravy.com. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.